Any views or opinions expressed in this podcast are strictly the views or opinions of the presenter. Nothing in here is the view of the firms, corporations, financial entities that anybody represents. Uh, Nothing expressed here is a view of any um, regulator or semi-regulatory agency. Uh, All content is intended to be educational. Nothing in this episode construes specific investment advice. And if you do require advice, you should seek an appropriate advisor, be that a financial planner or a tax advisor or possibly a lawyer. What COVID did and what Zoom has done for our business and for Canadians as a whole is it allows a Canadian to find the best financial planner for them, not the local financial planner. This episode of the CE Drive podcast is brought to you by Business Career College. Business Career College is a leading provider of financial services education, including the life insurance licensing program, the entire set of courses leading to the CFP certification, which is actually where I spend most of my time teaching and where I have met many of the participants in these podcasts. We also provide continuing education credits, live classroom and webinar instruction in support of the Elder Planning Counselor designation, and a few other odds and ends in support of folks in the financial services industry. You can find the full catalog of course offerings at www.businesscareercollege.com. Welcome back to the CE Drive podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have Adam Bourne on. Adam is with Parallel Wealth. And as you'll hear in the interview, um, he does a lot of work on YouTube. If you, uh, like I do, spend some time watching financial planning videos on YouTube, you'll have seen Adam's videos. Um, The episode is going to be good for life insurance credits in all jurisdictions. Um, No accident sickness credits for those in Alberta. Um, one financial planning credit, an IROC professional development credit, and MFDA retirement planning credit. Okay, um, the object for today's ep- is this power pack. Uh, you might be able to make out the text on the back. So this is a solar powered power pack, like you go charge it up in the sun, and then you hook your USB up to it. Oh, and my nails are painted, my granddaughter painted my nails, you're not losing your mind. All right, anyways. The um, the power pack uh, is a gift from John Stapleton at openpolicyontario.org. I'm going to have John on the podcast at some point. I don't know why I haven't had him on yet. Um, John does a ton of education and policy work uh, around retiring on a low income. If you happen to take our retiring on a low income course, which is a free course for six and a half CE credits, um, you'll see a lot of John's work in there. So power pack. Anyways, all right, on that note, uh, let's roll into the interview. I'm uh, joined today by Adam Bourne. Some of you might actually recognize Adam if you're on uh, YouTube. He's got a pretty solid YouTube presence. Adam is a financial planner based out of Langley, BC. Adam, can you give us a little more intro beyond that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh, I'm a certified financial planner based out of Langley. Uh, like you said there, Jason, I've been in the business since 2006. I uh, graduated from Trinity Western University at that time, um, you know, kind of launched my own practice at that point under kind of an umbrella of a bigger firm and started going, you know, knocking on doors and cold calling and doing that thing uh, back in 06. Transitioned up and then in, uh, in 2014, 
launch Parallel Wealth, which is uh, my own firm here. And we've been growing that out uh, yeah, for the last you know, number of years uh, doing that. And like you said, you know, we'll, I know we'll get into this further here, but uh, jumped onto YouTube uh, a couple of years ago and have been slowly growing the business uh, through that as, as a means to bring in clients as well. When did you do your CFP? Yeah, so I did my CFP in 2008, I got it. Yeah, so I had the, when I went to Trinity Western, they actually had the education uh, built into my undergrad. So I have a, a BBA specializing in financial planning. Uh, and at that time, you needed two years work experience. So I, uh, yeah, got it in June of 2008. Wonderful. Okay. And so I just finished, just completed my CLU. Oh, did you? Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's yeah, exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I don't know. Curious. Can I ask, actually, what motivated the CLU? I, I don't know. I just continued education. Like, it, it's, you know, I need C credits. And then, so I'm not going to just like get credits to get credits. I want to learn more. And, um, you know, our client base obviously is is older and kind of hitting that estate planning and, and that kind of stuff. And yeah, I just thought it was a good designation to have. Um, you know, Brett on our team had it. I thought, you know, let, let's kind of keep upping the ante there. And uh, as a big part of it. So I've been working on it. I did one course every year for three years. Perfect. And uh, for what it's worth, Brett on your team is Brett Martinson, who's a previous guest on the podcast, although he was at a different firm then. So yeah, a much better firm. No, I don't care. So now you talked about your client sort of nearing that estate planning point or nearing where the CLU becomes material. Um, so who is your um, ideal client? Yeah. So our ideal client and you know, 99% of who we work with would be kind of that 45 plus. So people that are kind of 10 to, or, you know, five to 10 years from retirement or maybe early in retirement, um, some business owners, but typically it's your, you know, you're just your average Canadian, you know, built up some retirement savings, maybe has some defined benefit pension plan. It just seems like a, a better a direction as they enter into retirement. So yeah, the majority in our focus is kind of that, that pre-retiree to early in retirement uh, guidance around that. So these would be like middle managers at publicly traded companies or civil servants, that kind of thing. Would this be be common? Yep, very common. We've had everyone from we've had CEOs of um, you know public codes that you probably own shares of, all the way down to you know, their assistants, essentially. So it, it's a broad range, um, and that's where kind of we'll talk about more down the road here. But kind of the services that we offer, we kind of help everyone along. But the age bracket and what our focus is is definitely kind of that 45 to, to 70 year old market. Yeah. And you know, I'm a big fan of a niche, so that's good. I like it. Yeah. Adam. Um, so now can you talk a little bit about what motivated you to start using YouTube? I assume it's worked out well for you. Can you chat a little bit about that? For sure. Yeah. So the YouTube, uh, it launched kind of naturally during COVID actually. So, um, you know, when, when 2020 hit and it was, you can't go see your client and it was like, how do we add value? How do we keep educating our client, communicating with them and them seeing us and feel like, Hey, Adam's continuing to pour into us. And so we took the YouTube route. Um, it started with uh, an internal course where we built like what we call the financial masterclass. And that's something is a hundred videos. It's, it's basically like I say, it's everything we should have learned in high school. And so we built that internally, uh, gave it to our clients for free. We're now at the point where we've kind of enhanced it and, and we're actually rebuilding it this year. And it's something that we sell now uh, through our YouTube channel. But um, so it started with that, got comfortable with kind of the recording and video and all that. Like it's, it's a whole new realm. And then in September of 2020 is when we actually launched the channel. And again, it was just... 
create content around, you know, who our clients were and giving them added value and educating them. And then it evolved. Anyone on, on YouTube that's had any you know, small bit of success there knows you get one video in the algorithm and it can take off. And that's what we had. So we had a CPP a video kind of grab that algorithm. And all of a sudden we went from like, you know, my mom and dad were the only subscribers to, you know, hundreds, soon thousands and, and grew up from there. It's funny because uh, I know previous podcast get Ken Tilly, yeah. guest Ken Tilly, who you of course have done some work with, um, has the same thing, right? He has a CPP video that really blew up for him. So I don't know if that's the, the magic dust or whatever, but that's. Well, uh, it's funny because that's, the reason we did, like we created a CPP and that's what you want to do. Like as you do research on YouTube and how to grow and stuff, it's actually people think, oh, you're copying someone else if, you know, or someone copied you, Adam. It's like, no, no. If we can create five to seven content creators with similar content, it actually drives organic traffic and it's better for everyone. Um, so like when our channel grew, Kent grew a little bit, some others around us grew. So we, you kind of grow together. So it's, it's the great organic. And that's why we've done collabs and stuff like that along the way. It's a rising tide floats all boats, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I would be surprised, like you and Kent have, I think, substantially different personalities. Yeah. I think I'd be surprised if there's a lot of people who look at you and look at him and they're like, like they're the same guy or something like that, right? I don't think that that's... We get a lot of happening. overlap in viewers for sure, but it's, hey, we watch you for one angle. Like you you get a different viewpoint from us, right? Which people appreciate. But yeah, I don't think anyone would be like, yeah, we're considering hiring you or Kent. Like it's, you're one or the other. Like we're very different. Um, so yeah, it, it's been great though. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Um, now, you talked about your clients sort of clustering around retirement, uh, 10 or 15 mm -hmm. years either side. So what do you find the biggest concerns that people bring you are? Uh, there's a few. So one of the big things is decumulation, right? Like all the talk from the time you're 18 to you know, 50, 55, or as you get close to retirement, it's all about accumulation. Where do I put money? How do I save? How do I get a better return? Where do I invest? Um, and I think people hit this you know, a point in life where it's, okay, I got to start taking this out. Like how does, how does the other side of the coin look like? How do I take it out? How do how does everything work together? Um, and I always talk about like income silos, right? Right now, people, you know, you go to work and you collect a paycheck. Whereas as you get into retirement, hey, there's no paycheck coming in. You got to give yourself that paycheck. But now you don't have one. You typically have three, four, five. If you're a household, you could have 10 paychecks, right? You got CPP and OAS times two. You got your RIF, your LIF, your pension, everything. And it all kind of has to funnel in and work together. And most people, most Canadians or anyone watching this across the world, we look at things in silos. Okay, we'll take a bit from here and a bit from here, but how does it work together? That would be the number one thing, I think. People, they need the integration and a plan. I always say, you know, our clients come to us with paper maps. Our job is to put it into a GPS for them. And that's what we're doing. So that would be the biggest thing, just like no clear plan. Um, and then like some people, it's, a lot of DIYers, right? Hey, I, I have a plan. I think it's pretty good. I know we're missing out on some spots. So it's, you know, confirmation that they're on track and it's fine tuning their plan. Uh, and then we get a small handful that would come to us saying, you know, husband or wife comes to us and says, look, I've run the finances in the house for 40 years. And if something happened to me, my, my spouse or partner, they don't know what's going on. And so this is actually for them, not for me. And so they know a, what the plan is and B, that they can touch base with you if, if something did happen to me. So th there's multiple reasons people come to us um, and, and we hear it all, but definitely. 
Are you a rational reminder listener, Adam? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I've, well, yeah, a few. I know Robert Merton was just on there. And, you know, you talk about the paper map and the GPS. He didn't use that analogy at all. I like that. Um, oh, okay. but he, he talked about the value of people being able to see their retirement in terms of a monthly income amount. You know, instead of knowing I have a $700,000 RIF, knowing yeah. that a $700,000 RIF is going to generate for me, I don't know, whatever it is, $3,800 a month of retirement income or that kind of thing, like that sort of making sense of of that bigger picture. I think that's that's the same place you're going here. That's exactly it. And I, you know, when I have kind of strategy calls with with prospects, I always say like 99% of Canadians, like you, would you ever get in your car and if someone said, hey, where are you going? You're like, I don't know. I, I just got to drive. I just got to go somewhere. Like that's your retirement. You, you, you're there. You got to get in the car and you got to go. But if you don't know where you're going, it, it makes it tough. And people always say, yeah, but Adam, like you can give me the GPS, but what about if there's a change? It's like, well, loop back and get a plan update. Or at least you have a general direction that you're heading. Like most people, when they get into their car for retirement, they're going every which direction or they, they just have no idea. And so really the purpose behind a plan isn't to say, here's every step from age 60 to 90, but it's let's get you moving in the right direction. Here's the things you got to think about and do. Um, there's going to be changes along the way. Um, you know, we don't, we didn't see COVID. Come. There's, there's a lot, there's always going to be stuff, uh, but at least you're heading in the right direction. And then we can update and, and, you know, adjust as needed. So to what extent do the concerns that people bring you match with, let's say the solutions that you end up presenting later on? What's the degree of overlap there? Uh, I would say 100% in that, A, it, like we're giving them a clear direction. So we always say we're looking at three things primarily within every plan. And every plan is different, obviously. But how do we increase your after-tax net income to you? How do we reduce your total tax bill, both while you're alive and on estate? So create a better, and then also create a better estate situation. So if we can give you all the money you need, you know, create tax efficiency along the way and hey, more money will actually go to your kids or charities versus CRA. That's kind of the three boxes. Now, if we can get the first two, we always do that. The third one, it, depending on the client situation, but typically we can try and do that. So, it, you know, every plan will have that. Now, again, that gives them that direction. If someone comes to us and says, hey, this is for my spouse, not really for me, then we're more engaged with the other partner on the Zoom calls, making sure, hey, do you understand this? Do you have questions? Okay, can you repeat back like what the plan is? We're getting them involved so that they feel, hey, this is my plan as well and not just you know, along for the ride. Are you 90% Zoom? Are you 100% Zoom? We are 100% Zoom. Yeah, we, uh, so yeah, after COVID, you know, we found Zoom, uh, like I still have clients from, you know, when I started the business, for, you know, for many years that I'll, I'll meet face to face, but all new clients from from here on out, 100% Zoom. Like we have a new client we brought on that it lives like three minutes down the road. I've never met them. They've been a client for a year, but they love it. Zoom, email, whatever, like, you know, it, it works. It works well. It's efficient. Um, and, you know, people have been kind of forced to go on Zoom and get more comfortable with it. Um, and it's worked well. I always say what, what COVID did and what Zoom has done for our business and for Canadians as a whole is it allows a Canadian to find the best financial planner for them, not the local financial planner. Because in 2019 and previous, you typically, you know, I would say 99% of people would work with someone within, you know, 15, 20 minutes of them. Was it the best person? No, but they were a nice person and they were close and they were in my local branch or whatever it is. Now they can actually do the research and partner with the best for them. And, and so most of our clients, like we're in BC, 
most of our clients are in Ontario. Which makes sense given that you're largely you know, generating leads online and so forth. So yeah, absolutely. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Um, now, do you have, I'm going to start with a favorite tool. Like, is there one tool that you're always using with every client? And then maybe we can talk about your, your broader toolbox. Yeah. So we use Snap Projections. So Snap is our um, our everyday, you know, build every financial plan on Snap. That's our go-to. Um, and that's how we were introduced to Brett as well. So that that's kind of how I got connected with Brett is through yeah. Snap. But um, yeah, we've used Snap for many years. I test. So I'm, you know, I'll go through my tech stack here in a second, but I'm very particular about our tech. If we're, if we A, have the best for us and for our client base and then be like tech evolves very quickly. So I do an annual like tech review to make sure that we're using the best for us. Again, Snap may not be the best for someone else, but for us, we need something that can create the plans we need to create. And also when we jump on Zoom, we actually do a screen share. So I want a program that the client can look at and be like, no, this makes like, I've seen an Excel spreadsheet before. It very much looks like an Excel. So people can understand it and they they grab onto their plan and what they're supposed to do that much quicker. In fact, for those that haven't seen it, um, I had not on the podcast ever, but I have a video on my YouTube channel, I'll link to where uh, Lee from Snap uh, came on and demoed uh, modeling GIS and Snap. So yeah, okay, that's perfect, okay. Yeah, it's a very, it's a, of course, there's, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a bit of a connection there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a powerful program. Again, some people say, oh, it's not good for me. That's fine. Like every planner has to find the program that works for them and their client base, right? Like you have to look at your client base and then kind of line your tech stack up to that client base and, and what you're looking to do with them. That's exactly it. So then what other tools? So, um, are, do you have like a, a backup financial planning software suite? I know Snap is really good for those retirement income projections? Is there something you use in more, I don't say complex scenarios, but sometimes, you know, like a lot of people have two financial planning softwares under their belt. Is this something you do or you snap? We 100%? don't know. No, we find like we've had some pretty complex stuff and we're able to work it through Snap. There, There's, you know, a few things. It, it helps having, you know, contact with Lee and through Brett and all that. So we, you know, if, if the odd time we'll need to do a workaround, but I find Snap can do most of what we need to do. Um, for the more basic, like if we have a younger, you know, 35 year old, hey, in savings mode, not sure where to save, looking to buy a house, we actually refer that business out. We don't take it in house here. And, and so we'll refer it out to other planners that we, we trust and we'll know it, uh, they'll do a good job. And so some of them use Snap, some of them use other stuff. So I can't really speak on their behalf, but for us and our client base, we find that Snap, like we've never had a plan where it's like, okay, Snap can't produce this. And we've had clients with, you know, we have one right now, 145 rental properties, right? So, so it, it's pretty my, powerful. My broken record around having a niche because you you narrow your tech stack that way too. This is 100%. Yeah. yeah. And we're very, what I've found the last two years, and we're very fortunate to be in this situation, but like, here's our client base. Like we do really well with this client base. If you fall on this side or this side. We have people we'll refer you to that will do a great job, but you're just not for for our uh, office. And so it's allowed us to really, that I feel get really good at what we do for the clients that fit that mold. What about Monte Carlo projections? Yeah, so I mean, Snap has kind of a Monte Carlo type projections. We've never, well, I shouldn't say never, we've gone down that road. We've played with it back and forth. Um, we actually find working with the client base that we have if there were like, hey, Adam, what, what happens if 
2023 is down 30%. Sure, let's just plug it into your system. Like, let's put it in the plan and do a bit of a stress test. Um, Marty Carlo can be good, but it can also be bad, I find. Um, a client, not all clients understand it. And B, kind of how it runs. I mean, it's it's a projection, right? Um, I find that, uh, like with Snap, you can say, look, you know, th th there's an option where you can generate a projection that says, here's how much of your money you can lose and still hit your income needs. So it's like if you lost, you know, we ran one class, it was like $300,000 tomorrow and never gain that back. Like it was just gone. You're still good for retirement. And that equates to percentage. So yeah, we haven't used Monte Carlo. Brett and I and Matt here, we talk about these types of things quite often. Um, again, as we get more maybe requests or, or we feel the need from clients, we'll add it. And again, Snap actually has, I forget what it's called, but they have like a Monte Carlo type of process in there. We we don't use it at this point. I'm not suggesting you should at all. It's just, I've seen so much <laughs> written about it lately, and I don't know that I would be using it necessarily either, but certainly... Um, it's a lot Again, of it goes back to one of your first questions. Like, why do clients come to us? They have a fear. Like, and always when I do the strategy calls, I ask the clients, like, whatever's in the back of your head, keeping up at night, put that on the, like the fact finder that will send you. And that's what we want to answer. And until we've answered all those, our job's not done. And so for some clients, the rate of return, the money, like that's, they don't care about that. But some clients it's like, well, what happens if we go down 20% this year and never make it back? Let's run it. Let's see what it looks like for you. Um, so that's really what we're focusing on. I, I get that. That's a good uh, risk management approach. What about on the tax side? Yeah. So the tax side, honestly, again, leaning on Snap here and then just online tax calculators. Like we don't jump into any like proper tax uh, software or anything like that. We find and we've we've actually got a lot of traction with accountants this way, too, in that when we run plans, I would say like, you know, leading up to retirement, look at your marginal tax rate. In retirement, look at your effective tax rate. Like it, it does work. It, it 100% works. They'll put our plans yeah. up against anyone because yeah. other financial planners have actually on YouTube commented like, no, no, marginal tax rate. I'm like, look, create a plan. I'll create a plan. And we'll compare them. We'll, we'll see how they map out. And I, I can almost guarantee you that looking at effective, your average tax rate will turn out a little bit better for your client in retirement. But if you're an advisor that focuses on younger accumulation, yeah, well, obviously it's marginal tax rate. So for, again, going back to us and our clients and what we do, um, we, we don't feel we need it. You know, obviously we pull up tax charts and all that, but Snap does a pretty darn good job. And I might make some post-show comments about average and effective tax rate. I 100% agree with that approach, by the way. Okay. Um, that's how it has to be, I think. It, there's obviously exceptions, but, you know, 95% of the time, I think you're... And, and more, there. you know, more complex, like we've had to jump on a Zoom call, go through the plan with client, like we have one client with a bunch of rentals, corporations, whatever. It's like, and we were looking at some insurance for, you know, pay some taxes on debt. Well, then we, we actually brought their account into the equation and we'll go through it with them and show them. And even the account was like, wow, this is it's powerful software, right? So if they're, you know, staff does a really good job for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Excel. Yeah, Matt, Matt in my office is more of the Excel guy than me. I think Brett's pretty good with it too. I uh, I mean, we generate Excel. Snap projections will generate both a PDF report and an Excel report. Um, and that's something Brett and I were talking about just the other day here is uh, using ChatGPT to kind of take our Excel. And like it, it, Excel is good, but what Snap does is it gives you a static Excel sheet. And we would love to give a dynamic sheet to a client. So can we use, you know, AI and software to kind of create that for the client? That's one thing that we're discussing internally here. 
you end up employing ChatGPT in your practice, I'm going to have you back on to talk about it. So, Well, I'm recording. I was supposed to record a video this morning. I just didn't get enough sleep last night, but I'll be recording a video this week. Um, how ChatGPT is going to help advisors not hurt them. Um, and, and Michael Kitts has actually put on Twitter just the other day here. He talked about this, like, will chat GPT kind of wipe out advisors? And, and of course, this was the whole like Internet's going to wipe you out and ETFs are going to wipe you out. And like all these things have come. And, and the Internet, he put on his t- tweet that the Internet has mul- like it's it's 10 million X times what it was like 25 or 30 years ago. Like the, it's, it's a powerful tool and still hasn't replaced us. But what it does is it gives us more tools to help our clients. So I see chat currently chat GPT 3.0, 4.0 is coming, but it's a way to, we're actually looking to kind of implement it into our website. So you can go to our website and just ask questions and they'll tell you answers. So it saves you emailing me or emailing your advisor, getting a bad answer. So it's, it's a tool that we can actually like, if we grasp it and utilize it properly, um, I think it's actually a good complement to then us building a bigger plan. So get your basic answers for free build up from there. I think everybody should go have a look at ChatGPT for what it's worth. And I do agree with you. I think for those who get the hang of it, it's going to be a, a multiplier. I think it's it has a lot Huge. of capability. Yeah. Um, I it, I think it's a little bit lacking right now. Like I've asked- 100%. Like some, yeah. I've asked it some retirement questions about like CPP and OAS, fairly rudimentary stuff. And it's lacking there now it could be my questions i know that's a problem sometimes it's it's a way there's definitely there's ways to ask and and stuff like that but i i tested it out originally and i said like i had a a youtube video kind of lined up an idea like you know should i delay my oas and you can say hey you know create a five point uh, outline for youtube videos for should i delay old age security and and it actually does a pretty good job then you can at least work off of that so it doesn't give you the final answer obviously but for for me it gives me kind of a template to now work off of if i want to go that route and the same for PowerPoint decks. And I agree, it's very good there yeah. as far yeah. as uh, yeah, yeah, framework for a presentation or like, yes. I'm and Jason, I want to quickly yeah. mention, because uh, I didn't cover it earlier, is our tech stack. I do want to share that because I think yeah. um, every, every time I jump on a Zoom call with anyone, the first thing I do is look at their favorites. You can learn a lot on favorites. And that's how we learned. So Snap is where we put our planning software, obviously. But the most powerful probably tool that we use would be Kajabi. And Kajabi is, it hosts our website, our courses. Uh, we sell our fee-for-service through there. It kind of, all of our marketing emails, it, it's kind of the hub for everything that we do. Spell it for me. I don't even know this, Adam. Yeah, so K-A-J-A-B-I. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I found Kajabi, actually. I hired a coach out of the States years ago, about three, three or four years ago, and just to help with like email marketing and so, uh, Facebook ads and kind of, and, and I jumped on a Zoom call with him and he had Kajabi and I was like, never heard of it. So I just, I start searching all these and went down that rabbit hole and it's been phenomenal. So that's been a big, powerful tool for us to just streamline and automate. And again, our website, if we need to update something, I can update it in two minutes and I'm not a tech person whatsoever. Hey, that's phenomenal. I'm, so I'm specifically thinking of Jeff in Peace River when you're going through this. So what else goes in that tech stack then, Adam, that we haven't talked about? Yeah, so again, Snap, Kajabi, those are the big two. We use Redtail CRM for our CRM support out of the States, um, Trello. So we use Trello, it's basically, I'm a whiteboard guy, but when you have a team and a team across Canada, you need a whiteboard that everyone can access online. So that's basically what it is, tracking everyone where they're at in the workflow. Um, we share files. I, I like Trello too. I've used Trello in the past and there's a bunch of other versions that are similar, but yeah, I, yeah. 
Yeah, I like Trello. Sorry, next. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, we, we like we try a few. We try and keep it simple too, right? Like Trello is very easy to use. Um, yeah, Sherpa for for sharing documents with clients. Uh, we use DocHub, so DocHub is like a signature uh, program. That's great. It's it's much like DocuSign for like one tenth the cost. It's 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 five. I think it's five dollars a month, and it tracks everything. It's compliant. It's phenomenal. Um, so if you're looking for a great signature program uh, for five bucks a month, hundred percent there. And we use it like multiple times a day. Like it's, 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 it's good. Uh, once up for scheduling. And then we use Typeform. We use Typeform for a few different things, but we, we like Typeform and uh, we use it for multiple things. Like we just, we did a, we gave away two financial plans at Christmas time. Um, so we use Typeform to kind of grab the information. Uh, but the last question on the Typeform was, uh, what's some of the YouTube content you'd like to see heading into 2023? Because like, there are viewers, like, what do you guys want to say? I don't care what I want to say. What do you guys want to see? And so we had 650 replies. So I have 650 ideas. Now, obviously, you have to amalgamate it. So what did I do? I grabbed them all, threw it into ChatGPT, and it yeah. summarized it for me. <laughs> nice. So yeah. again, pa- powerful AI. If you know how to use it, it works really well. Because how do you summarize 650 points, right? You takes a long time. Um, so yeah, we use it for, for stuff like that. What's the calendar one or the booking one? Uh, one sub, like schedule oh, once. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, is it like Calendly kind of thing? Is it similar? Yeah, to it's that? like Calendly. I, I think it's a bit more powerful than Calendly. Um, I use Calendly for a bit. It, it, it works for sure. Um, but yeah, we, we use one sub. I'm sure they're very similar at the end of the day. My Calendly subscription just renewed, so I won't be switching anytime soon. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what the cost difference is. Of course, once you're, what I've found is, it's like any business, like when I started with this, you create like onesub.com slash like parallel wealth or whatever the booking link is. Well, when you start going on YouTube and social media, that's posted on every video, every email that goes up. So you can't start changing those links very quickly. So a lot of those things, like we've, we've learned over time, like uh, actually we use Bitly once in a while. So Bitly just like shortens down your links basically. Um, so stuff like that. We've we've learned a few tools that like simplify our life that won't complicate it more. <laughs> so That's fair. Uh, did we miss anything else in the tech stack? No, that's it. We try and keep it as narrow as possible. But, but again, I think it's important that a find tech that works for you and you should be reviewing it every 12 to 18 months. And if you're not, you're going to miss out. Now, it's not saying you have to switch stuff around because that's a bit of a pain. Um, but again, this summer, we've been with Redtail now for, I think, 11 years. And we were that close to changing. Now, we stayed with Redtail, but we yeah. went pretty deep into going through other platforms. Okay. And what are you missing? Like, what's Is there something else you're looking at out there where you say there's a function that, uh, that we don't have that we need to bring on? Um. Well, one thing we're, we're looking at and working on, we've been working on this for years, more of a DIY. Like if I could create one software, and, and maybe you know something, uh, but uh, it's more of a DIY platform. We'd like to have, we have a lot of DIY investors that want to do DIY planning. And so we'd like to have some sort of DIY planning option where a client can log in, put in their input, but it, it would be on a s- subscription basis where they could get anywhere from you know zero support to full support or anywhere along the line. So you could have like, you know, three or five levels of support that they pay for. 
where they have access, we would have access from our end, and then we're just supporting them based on you know whatever they sign up for. Um, better plan easy is this? I don't want to. Yeah, so it's not right. Owen, Owen's yeah. working on something. Okay. All yeah, right, well, we, we we've been in talks with Owen, and hopefully we're going to have something in the pipeline here pretty soon. Okay. Uh, but that's what Owen's working. Yeah, that's Owen Winkle Mullen over at uh, Plan Easy, just for what it's worth. And yeah, yeah. That's, that's no surprise, Adam, when you gave that uh, summary. So, um, okay, going back to my list of tools here then. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as information gathering, like you, so is it that you just send the client like a list of stuff you want or do you have a, a form for this or what happens there? Yeah, so we, on the investing side, like if we have a client kind of come on board with one of our investment partners, We'll grab the information both for their planning and investments. Uh, again, we use Typeform for that, and then we've we actually hired just uh, about a month ago someone to create a macro where we can then export that in Excel, hit generate, and it it actually populates it into the the, the templates that the investing plus platforms have. Um, on the planning side, we use uh, Snap Projections to have like a uh, basically a fact finder, and we've just kind of edited it to kind of well, flow better with our process on our end. So it's, it's actually just a word, an eight page word document that we send out. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And um, then sharing that information back with the client, then I assume you're using the same platform there. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll send it to us. So we just send them the blank uh, word document, then they send it to us by share file. So it's secure and they're not sharing any information. Then yeah, we, we send everything back, uh, like the delivery package that we create for a client that hires us for a plan. It's it's a bit of what Snap produces, and then we have our own internal. We've summarized it into like a two page plan. We have online resource manuals. Like we've kind of used video to help. Like, hey, step one, here's what you need to do, and showing them the plan. So, um, and portfolio analysis. I don't know how much of this you can do. I you're not securities licensed, right? I think I have that right. Yeah, not securities licensed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think I mentioned to you on our original call. Uh, once risk allies, uh, Brett and I have had these conversations too. We'd like to implement something around that. Uh, risk allies would probably check a lot of our boxes that we're looking for. Uh, of course, they're US-based right now. So we're looking down that rabbit hole. We'll probably have something within the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, but currently, yeah, we, we don't we don't get into that space too much. Fair. Okay. So I think switching gears off the tech stack question, unless I missed anything else yeah. there. No, that's it. Okay, perfect. Um, so can you talk about how your clients are accessing investment management? You mentioned DIY folks a little bit here. Are they, you know, out there use like, do they use the DIY accounts? Are they using other, um, invest, are there like financial advisors? What, what do you see here? Yeah. So I would say, you know, people that hire us for a financial plan only like a fee for service, I would say probably half are DIY. The other half are, you know, at their bank, at you know, an Edward Jones, Raymond James, you you kind of name it, some other financial institution, and you know, it's when I do the strategy call with them, it's it's it's, it's trying to educate them, like hey, you're you're actually paying for a plan right now, um, and a lot of them maybe have done a plan, they're just not happy with it, right? And, and I think that's the power of YouTube is to say, like, what we try to do with our YouTube channel is is to kind of open up. Like, I think a lot of people get to retirement, and until they've Kind of watch the videos or educate themselves they think they're on track and then they watch these videos and they're like oh man there's a lot more to this than i expected or knew and, and so i think that's part of our conversation for clients you know when you're talking about investment management like here's kind of the the bucket that you're in right now 
here's what you're paying, here's what it looks like, the investments, like the issues that you have potentially. And so just walking them through that. Now it's it's their choice if they want to stay that there and just hire us for a plan. Um, but yeah, we try and educate them, but I would say about half DIY. And what about retirement income strategies? You know, do you do like a total return, sort of just draw down the portfolio? Do you do dividends? Do you use annuities? What's it's a bit the... of everything. Yeah, I mean, when yeah. we're building a plan, it's it's really like we're not okay. We're not really saying here's what you should be doing. It's it's more we actually default. So how we build plans is we will default to five percent rate of return, right? So we tell the client that's the first question on the questionnaires. You know, we're going to do life expectancy to 95, inflation at two, which people bulk at right now, but inflation at two and rate of return at five. And so, you know, then when we build out a cash flow plan, I always tell clients when you get into retirement, focus less on rate of return. You obviously have to have a good investment and quality investments and how, but it's cash flow. Make sure your portfolio is structured for cash flow. And so whether that's dividends, uh, I know you're a huge fan of just pure dividend strategies. So, you know, it's just... (laughs) It's, it's it's dividends. It's you know you know maybe it's it's individual bonds that you own, private equity, whatever. Um, but it's a conversation more around. Like we've had clients come to us with 100% private equity. That's all locked in. And it's like, okay, you need 30 grand next year, but your money's locked for five more. What's like, what are you going to do? And so it's more conversations around that. Now, if clients come to us and like, hey, we need help on the investment side, um, we send a lot of our clients to uh, BCV Asset Management out of Winnipeg. And so we've we've referred clients to them for, for many years. Uh, and I know a lot of the pure fee-for-service advisors in Canada, a lot of them send a lot of business to BCV as well. They just, they do a good job, but they are dividend focused. So they buy blue chip dividend paying stocks. I mean, I, I do, you kind of, you know, prodded me about this a little bit. Like yeah. I don't hate dividends. It's, they're an easy mental model for understanding income. Yeah. I, I think that's an advantage to them. I, yeah. Yes. Uh, and but, one but, thing that we're seeing on YouTube right now that'll just touch on your on your thought there, Jason, is that yeah, when you look at dividend, like a lot of people think dividends is like, oh, that's my yield, like that's what's going to give me my cash flow. It's like, no, it's a piece of your cash flow, right? Like we still need that stock to go up and buy a quality company. There's been a real trend the last 12 to 18 months, especially on YouTube. There's a couple channels, one in particular, I won't mention it here. He's 100% like high yield. Like, don't worry if, if you buy something in the NAV is 10 and it goes to five, don't worry about it because you're collecting your 13% yield. And it's like, and you would be shocked how many plans we do. And we say, hey, you know, where are your investments at? And it's like, oh, I do the high yield thing that, that so-and-so, you know, has coached me on. And it's like, do you understand there's a lot of like, there's more to it than what you see. And they're like, yeah, but I'm getting 13 or 15% yield. Okay. So I think, you, you know, Yield on a dividend stock is very different than like this high yield mentality that people are focused on. And and there's a big trend. Like we talk to hundreds of people a year that are kind of shifting over to that DIY high yield, high risk, which they don't see type of portfolio. We are starting to see some, I I don't want to, I don't know, who knows where this is at by the time this video goes public, but starting to see some publicly traded companies start to cut dividends as you and I are sitting here. So, no, I... I kind of hope that that takes some of the wind out of those sales because I think that there's some artificiality built in there. And as you say, some misperception of risk. 100%. Yeah. And I mean, if you've got buying a good quality, like, you know, take, you know, whatever, Scotiabank, right? It's something like that. Like, you, you can, I mean, there's actually lots online right now about how bad Scotiabank is. But at the end of the day, you know, they've paid their dividend, they've increased their dividend, they've increased earnings as well. Like, 
that's another thing. Like, are earnings increasing and dividends increasing? Are they because ha- ha- they have to be step and step? If you just earnings stay the same and you increase dividends, like there's an imbalance there. Um, so always understand, you know, kind of what you're invested in. But yeah, I am. I'm probably more of a proponent to dividends for our client base because they understand that. Okay, I need thirty grand a year. Let or let's say we're going to pull eight percent of your your portfolio this year, but we're going to get half of that in dividend yield. So if the market does dip a bit. You know, there's just less we have to sell. And I mean, we're planning for that anyway. We'd raise cash or bonds maturing or whatever it is. Um, but there's just less movement in the portfolio. Um, and not a recommendation to buy Scotiabank, to be perfectly Yeah, not a recommendation. Yeah, no, no, no. That was yeah. an example. Yeah, that's what BTB yeah. uses as an example. So I grabbed that. Yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what about insurance products then? Yeah, so we're insurance licensed. Um, yeah, everyone in our office is uh, licensed for that. So if it comes... I'll say that someone asked me the other day, how much insurance do you sell? I said, we actually probably cancel more than we sell. Cause a lot of people come to us and they have, you know, a, a term 10 or a term 20 product and they're heading into retirement and they're like, do I still need this thing? And we'll put it into the plan. And, and yeah, sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't like it's, you know, they're paying the premium. They don't need it. It's not going to change their retirement. If one of them passed away, there's enough cash flow there. So, so we look at that. So we actually probably cancel more than we, we write. Um, but we definitely write some and, you know, we'll, we'll put it in place where there's a need, whether it's, um, you know, an estate, like I said, we did one where they, they wanted to kind of pass on a bunch of rentals. So they had that estate need. So if the need is there, we'll show them, here's your options. We don't, we're very careful. If someone hires us to do a financial plan, we don't push product or or anything like that. Right. So it's, Hey, here's your tax bill. Here's, here's a few ways that you can kind of fill that. Um, we're licensed in BC and Ontario, or I am. Um, so outside of that, like, you know, we'll find another advisor or we'll help you find an insurance broker, basically. And then annuities. Yeah, we've done a couple. Um, uh, we'll look at it when it comes up or when I think it might make sense. Uh, we haven't done a lot. In fact, I would say primarily we've done it when a client, uh, has received money through a will and that will has stated it needs to go into an annuity, you know, kids that are bad with money. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's, there's a place for it. Um, I think people have to understand the the, the pros and cons of, of that. Yeah. So for, for what it's worth, for as much as I'm not a fan of dividends, I'm a fan of annuities. So I don't there know. You go. There's, uh, yeah. You're a Fred, Fred um, Vitesse fan then. I, I generally am. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it's, it's okay. a lot right. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Um, all right. And I have to ask, you know, I know you can't sell it anymore, or at least I assume you can't. Uh, long-term care insurance. Do you ever see this in a plan? No, we, we don't see it. I mean, we can sell it. There's, I don't even know what's out there for long-term care. Like it, it, it kind of came in years ago and yeah. it, it kind of all went out. Like Manulife had one. I think RBC Desjardins had a decent one, if I remember right. Um, but they were all like, you know, rates weren't guaranteed. They were kind of these Mickey Mouse products, in my opinion. Um, I've never in my career seen one. I know a couple of guys that have sold them. Um I didn't see the upside of that. But when we build a plan, you know, one of the big things is, or big questions we get is like, hey, what happens if I need a care home later on? And that's a great question. And typically, if you own a house, which most people that that do plans with us own their home, we don't sell their home. Or if we're downsizing, we're keeping it there. Like we're never fully liquidating. So it's like, look, if you got to go to care home, A, you have some cash flow, but B, you have this kind of buffer in the background, we like to call it, in your home. Um, so that's always there. Um, so we kind of build that out into the plan as well. But yeah, long-term care, don't see it anymore. 
Well, there's no LTC product that I think you there. So um, Blue Cross in Ontario has a LTC product ish on their shelf, and Sun Life still has their retirement health assist product. Okay, that's, that's your uh, your product suite at least as of January of 2023. So <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, um, <laughs> may may change by the time we go to air. Yeah. So, um, and on that note, you talk about you know accessing home equity, reverse mortgages ever. Uh, once in a while, it's more, we structure it typically as like a HELOC versus, you know, a reverse mortgage or the chip mortgage. We've come across like people that are in the chip and, and not to, you know, put down the, the whole chip program and that it, it can work. Um, a couple of the older clients we've dealt with, uh, it blew up in their face. Now, I don't know if they were just misinformed at the beginning or, or whatever. I typically find if people need to access some equity out of their home, uh, a HELOC works well. Maybe you're not paying the best rate. Uh, it, it, you know, typically prime plus half uh, right now you can actually get a, a HELOC at prime in BC. And, and so that's typically how we're accessing it. Again, what's the long-term plan though? If we're going to start ripping money out of there, like what is the plan? Just live in there until you die. Well, you don't know when you're going to die. So, you know, we're going to rip out too much cash or we'd be downsizing. Maybe that's a smarter move. Um, so it, it typically will open up a larger conversation. Uh, cause I don't want to dip too much into that equity without a, a an end plan basically around that. Um, on that, well, and this is leverage, right? We should never mm-hmm. leverage without an exit strategy. So, and, uh, you know, dying 100%. might be your exit strategy, but that's tricky. <laughs> yeah, if you live to so, 105, yeah. Yeah. So just you commented about some reverse mortgages having blown up a little bit. Um, is that people who had an unexpected need to, like, move into facility care? Or can we, do you remember details around that? Um, so the one I remember, like, two particular stand out, but one of them was... Um, they just weren't told how kind of the interest was charged and like the, the compounding interest. And here's kind of the timeline. If you keep doing what you're doing, here's kind of the brick wall. And if you live till this age or pull out this money, you can't go beyond that. And, you know, she lived into her nineties and she hit that brick wall and she was kind of stuck. And, and it was her daughter was a client of ours that had to kind of step in and financially, you know, uh, <laughs> solve the solution or solve the problem, I guess. Right. It's not an unlimited bank account. There's a cap no. there to right, right. Okay. Yeah. I never yeah. even thought about that as a as an impediment, but I guess you're right. If you don't really understand that it's not a an unlimited bank account, you could draw it down unexpectedly. So that's yeah, that's a that's a tough one. The thing that I've typically seen go wrong with it is where somebody takes it out and then like eight months later they have a big change in life circumstances. That's the that's the blow up that I've seen because then you have to to close out the program and that's expensive and exactly it's a a mortgage right so that's why i like the heloc like i always tell our clients as they get into retirement like make sure you have a heloc set up like when you need money you can't get it and when you don't need it you can get it that's just how the banks are set up typically it just says so i always thought look i know you don't need this right now but set it up they'll keep it open for you um have it as a buffer in the background and we actually have we have one client right now we're working with where we're actually they're kind of leading up to retirement um, good cash flow, but not good upfront cash. And so they want to do a few things, uh, rent out to their house and, and buy a travel trailer and a truck to actually enjoy those first 10 years of retirement. Lots of cash flow, steady cash flow. So the plan is actually, we're going to actually utilize a bit of a HELOC and then pay it off over time. Again, not something most clients are willing or wanting to do, but for this client, it made sense. And we could show them like the cash flow makes sense. Um, so a HELOC, it was, again, for that scenario, it's just an easy way to do it. 
fairly low cost overall, uh, but it, it allowed them to jo- enjoy those, what I call go-go phase of retirement of like, look, you're only healthy so long. Like if I can show you have enough cash flow later, let's kind of front end load this thing and let you guys enjoy retirement. And yeah, so just to be clear here, this would be sort of like three or four years before retiring, you're working, you got two incomes in the household, you've got your you know, credits in good shape, you go apply for whatever, $150,000. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, yeah. yeah, it wasn't a big number and it was quickly paid off. Again, and, and that's where we find most clients that have rental properties. I would say 95% of our clients with rental properties sell their rentals within five years of retiring. Because it's the same idea. It's like, hey, it was a great cash flow and, and kind of a, a net worth builder as you got to retirement. But now the nest egg is worth more than the cash flow, like the equity in that home. So it's like, do you want to live on that $10,000 a year of like net cash flow? Or do you want $400,000 cash that we can like, you know, bring the family to Disneyland and, and travel and, you know, upgrade your house or whatever it is. So um, it's the same concept here. Like we want to make sure if there's cash flow there, it, it's our cash flow that we can utilize earlier. Um, now I, I'm looking forward to your answer to this. So, um, so in the lower mainland, you know, BC has this property tax deferral program that doesn't exist in the rest of the country. Does mm-hmm. this matter for your clients? Not really. I, I think we've had two clients use it. It's it's not highly used. Again, most of our clients are in Ontario too. Um, but the ones that are in BC, yeah, we've had a few utilize it. Not a lot do. I mean, it's, it's a good program. I, I think if you're in BC and you own a house, it's something to consider. Um, it, it's something that we put across the plate for our clients. I mean, the interest rate right now is like 1.7%. So it's, you know, it's cheap money. Um, so it's, it's a good option. I'll, I'll summarize it this. It's a great option for people. Um, I think if you're a young family raising kids and you're kind of meet the, like there's a lot of income thresholds and stuff if you're younger, um, but that will be a good way. Like a lot of young families are, are struggling, right? Food's up, everything's so expensive now. So if you have a client that meets that threshold, I think deferring property tax there may make sense. They just, again, there's, yes, it's cheap money, but they, they just have to know that down the road, there's a consequence to, to deferring that bill. And if you do it, if you live in the same home for you know, 10, 20 years, it could add up to a six-figure bill. I mean, property taxes out in BC here, much probably like your cross Canada, like you know, it's five to ten grand a year in property tax. So if you start deferring that for too long, it's going to eat into the equity in your home when you go to sell it, and now your plans may be different down the road. So just make sure you put a plan in place that that outlines that. So that's a good point. Um, now, you've talked already about ideally having access to like a DIY planning platform. Is there anything else you would like? your your clients have access to or you think maybe the general public should have access to as far as retirement planning tools that's not available? Um, I think we've touched on both of them. So the, the DIY planning one is definitely like the highest on the list. Uh, the second one I wrote down here was, um, and we're working on, like we're going to have something here in the next six to 12 months, I think is more of that, that AI built into kind of a Q&A chatbot type idea where, you know, like if I get a client that's like, hey, what's my minimum riff for there? It's like, hey, you could Google it. The problem again with Googling something is you get a million answers. Chat GPT actually does a much better job summarizing it. Now you got to make sure the data is good. And I think it's only going to get better going forward here. But I would like to have something set up just internally here where our clients or for anyone can kind of go to and just ask questions and get proper answers um, without wasting everyone's time. When I Google these questions, um, I often get the RBC Wealth Management sort of four or five page handout, and they're good. Like, I like to read them, but 
I look at them and I think, man, the average person, ish, this is, uh, they're, they're tough. They're, they're, they, they don't shy about getting technical. So, well, and as an independent advisor that just ripped the client away from RBC and then they come back <laughs> for a question, I'm like, yeah, here's an RBC article on that. Like, right, right. It, the optics aren't great, right? So uh, <laughs> typically then I'll, I'll and, and that's where like we have, I think 350-ish videos already on YouTube. I can typically say, hey, we did a video on that. Go watch it here type of idea. And, that, and that's where like, you know, it, back in the day, it was like blogs, right? Oh yeah, we did a blog on that. Well, now it's videos. Like people interact through videos. And, and so we've had a lot of traction on that. So typically I try and just push out, hey, yeah, we did a video on that. Here's a link to it. And they get all the information. Uh, have you thought about TikTok at all? Is this on your radar? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm too <laughs> old for TikTok, but uh, it's definitely internally. Yeah, it's, it's it's a discussion we've had. Like my editor that does all our editing for YouTube and Matt, my office, who's you know, a younger planner here. We talk, like yeah, TikTok. We, we do Instagram stuff a little bit. Um, Twitter is actually the big one. So I'm putting more focus this year on Twitter. Um, Twitter's focus is going to be long form video content pretty soon. And they're looking to monetize it as well. And so, you know, the mon monetization part of it is interesting, especially with YouTube, because it's a way that your videos actually get pushed out more, right? So it kind of builds into the algorithm. And, and the, there's a book out there. I forget the name of the book, but Daryl Eves. Uh, so the YouTube formula and D-E-R-R-A-L-E-V-E-S, Daryl Eves. And uh, he has a phenomenal book I'm about three quarters of the way through it right now. But the YouTube algorithm is a bit of like this black box, right? It's kind of like a mutual fund. You don't know what's in it, right? Um, it, he's kind of unpacked it. And he works with like Mr. Beast as his client. Like some of the biggest YouTubers in the world work with him and, and have actually unpacked the, the algorithm and how it works and how to build content and, and build a brand and all that. Um, so if anyone's looking to get onto YouTube, highly recommend that book. It, it's phenomenal. It'll get you going in the right direction, but it's kind of re-gearing how we do stuff. But when you talk about the, if, if Twitter comes out with long form video content and monetizes it, which means that if you can get to that point, your, your, your content gets pushed that much more. Um, I, I think that's where you need to be. So YouTube will always be there. It's Google, right? It's, it's always going to be there. Um, but I think the next one's Twitter for sure. I've wrestled with TikTok myself. It's just tough. And then, uh, yeah, I've stayed away from, I used to do paid on YouTube, like with advertising support. I know it, the algorithm favors it, but then mm -hmm. it's all for my students. And I don't like the idea of them sitting through ads to get to the next video. I don't know. For sure. Like no, there, there's that, yeah. there's definitely that part of it. Um, yeah. yeah. TikTok's not our thing. And you have to look at like, where are your client base? Like we started on Facebook. So how we started on social media was Facebook. Most people on Facebook now are like 45 plus. It's the older generation. Um, they're definitely on YouTube. Like, 80% of our viewers are 45 plus. So we're launching in about a month-ish from now, depending on when this goes live here, but in, in kind of late Q1 into Q2, we're actually launching a second YouTube channel. And it's going to be geared to the 20 to 45-year-olds. Now, there, there's not going to be kind of a financial planning service that we we offer as kind of sales. So it's, it's more of just a pure education, get our information out there. Um, but we might piggyback on TikTok and other platforms for that channel. Again, my six-year-old client is not on TikTok. So what's why should I put focus into that? It's it, you know, it, it's a tough balancing act, right? With all that, I, I got that. Yeah. Um, all right. My final question. You'll be uh the third person that I've asked this question of now. So I'm I'm enjoying the answers I've gotten so far. 
What do you see as the number one benefit of having a financial plan? I'm going to go back to kind of the whole paper map versus GPS map, right? I think a lot of people, when they come to retirement, they don't know how things work. They have all, again, those income silos. They go back to that. They have all these income silos and, and how everything integrates together. And the timing, like how much and how and when you pull from each silo and each bucket makes a very big difference. And so I think the biggest benefit of having a financial plan is you have clarity on where you're pulling money from and how much you have. And, and I think you know that, that it sounds kind of obvious, but a lot of people go into retirement with you know, with basically, uh, you know, blinders on. And it's like, oh, I'll just figure it out. And, you know, unless you have powerful software and, and a pretty good knowledge around this stuff, you're not going to figure it out. And so, you know, having a financial plan will just give you that GPS map. Again, there's there's going to be adjustments along the way, but it gives you the a direction to head in, a, a clear direction. This is the uh, Carl Richards thing, the guide to a shifting landscape, I think is the Carl Richards quote on this. So I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like that. Okay. Um, that's wonderful, Adam. I really like the look at retirement here. I think it's good to see somebody who's talking to clients in that sort of pre-retirement, post-retirement. Uh, the dip into your tech stack there is beautiful. I, I'm thinking of you know, one specific listener who I know is going to uh, love that. So yeah. um, I know a lot will, but I, I have one person who harasses me for that constantly. So it's good. <laughs> and um, yeah, I really appreciate that, Adam. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Okay. I like to talk to financial planners who are running, you know, practices like Adams, where there's a fair bit of focus, a niche. Um, and I think there's some real value there. Uh, the number for today's episode is four. The number for today's episode is four. I said I would talk a little bit about average and marginal tax rates. I don't want to blow our time here, but just to be quick around this, basically what happens is we often see this kind of discussion that says, if I make, I don't know, $80,000 a year in Alberta, for example, then I'm at the 30.5% tax bracket. And that's true. And then when I retire, if I'm still at $80,000 or thereabouts of income, I'm still going to be at the 30.5% tax bracket. Okay, that's true. That only takes into account what are called marginal tax rates. That's exactly where your income lands you. Okay. However, what really is going to happen is, let's say I'm saving into an RRSP, I make $80,000, let's say I'm saving $10,000 a year, that's all being saved and therefore deducted at 30.5%. That's my marginal tax rate. Great. Now, if I happen to have the Canada Child Benefit, uh, then that actually augments this, but let's ignore that for now. Let's assume no Canada Child Benefit and no other means-tested benefits. Um, although there is a study um, from the C.D. Howe Institute that shows that at that level of income, there actually are a bunch of potential add-ons, potentially carbon action in initiative, for example. But let's set that aside and just look purely at tax rates. So then I get to retirement and I'm still at a 30.5% tax rate. And the argument here is that $10,000 that I put into my RRSP is coming out of my RIF still at 30.5%. Well, that's not true. That is going to comprise the majority of my income. My $10,000 has grown up to a larger amount. It's going to be enough that some of it is coming at that 30.5% tax bracket, but some of it is coming at lower tax rates. Some of it's going to be in the zero to 50-ish thousand dollar tax bracket. So 
as of today, early 2023, that's going to come out at 25%. Okay? On top of that, you have a bunch of tax credits in retirement that you didn't otherwise have. Now at $80,000, I won't have the age credit, but at lower amounts, I can have the age credit. I will have the pension income credit. So those are two tax credits that are going to further reduce that effective or average tax rate. Okay. So really, I save at 30.5%, but when I withdraw, even if I'm at the 30.5% tax bracket, that's only sort of my worst case scenario. I'm going to have a bunch of income that's at lower tax rates when we take into account first, crossing over from one tax bracket to the next, and second, the tax credits that I'm likely to have access to that I don't have until I get into post-age 65 for, for most people. Okay, I hope that helps. Yeah, I hope you'll join me again in two weeks' time. I'll have uh, Jordan Lukiewicz, Professor Jordan Lukiewicz. Uh, Professor Lukiewicz is a financial planning prof at York University. Um, I, I love my conversations with uh, with her. I always learn a ton, probably um, in terms of the uh, volume of learning I do for the, the words exchanged. Hard to have a conversation with somebody who has more to teach. Um, and I think you'll enjoy this episode. Uh, there's a, a lot of value here, a little bit of history around the education of financial planning, um, real insight into differences between Canadian and U.S. programs. And I know I've had some questions about financial planning research, and she talks a lot here about financial planning research. Thanks very much and enjoy your continued studies. If you're listening to this episode and you're not already signed up for CE credits, this is a very easy thing to do. Just navigate over to businesscareercollege.com and you're going to sign up here for CE. Just subscribe. Currently, the pricing is $200 a year. We may be uh, introducing monthly pricing at some point, but as of today, we have a cost of $200 a year. And once you're signed up, then you can just go and listen to every episode within your subscriptions. Once you're logged in, you'll use my subscriptions here and you'll just go to the latest episode, which you'll scroll down to very near the bottom for. It doesn't matter which episode, you just scroll down and you find the one. So as of the time I'm recording this, the most recent episode is season four, episode 27. I can just start it right from here. I can do the quiz here. Once I'm done the quiz, then I can get my continuing education certificate very straightforward. Um, so I would just launch the course here and I can watch the episode from here. Uh, now, if you happen to be already listening to it on YouTube or whatever the case is, you can just navigate right into the quiz, you start your quiz, and you're just going to go through the whole thing. And then at the end of it, you'll be able to see your certifications. So we're going to bring up uh, designing small group products. We bring this up and we click on wall certificate and that's going to give me the CE certificate I need in order to maintain status wherever I happen to uh, need CE credits. So I really do encourage, I know that uh, out of our regular listeners, about 40% of you are listening to the episode for CE credits. That's about 60% who are listening out of general interest or whatever it is. Um, and I really think this is an easy way to get your CE credits, 200 bucks a year, pretty reasonable price. And as you can see from the certificate here, so, and as you hear me discuss at the beginning of the episode, we have a broad range of approvals for all of our courses.
like to thank uh, Joe Tong. Joseph is our editor, both for video and audio content. And Joe does a lot of good work to make sure that these episodes look and sound good, despite my better efforts. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Maria Nguyen. Maria makes sure that the episodes all get approved for CE credits. Uh, Veronica Tiber does the quality assurance through that process. And then we have a strong marketing team that makes sure that all of our content gets out there so that people can find us and uh, take advantage of the learning opportunity they might not have known about.